0: Prologue. We should start back, Garrett urged, as the woods began to grow dark around them. The wildlings are dead. Do the dead find you? Sir Raymond Royce asked with just a hint of a smile. Garrett did not rise to the bait. He was an old man, past fifty, and he had seen the lordlings come and go. Dead is dead, he said. We have no business with the dead. Are they dead? asked softly, What proof have we? Will saw them, Garrett said. If he says they are dead, that's proof enough for me. Will had known they would drag him into the quarrel sooner or later. He wished it had been later rather than sooner. My mother told me that dead men sing no songs, he put in. My witness said the same thing, Will. wise replied, Never believe anything. Here at a woman's tit. There are things to be learned, even from the dead, his voice echoed, too loud in the twilight forest. We have a long ride before us, Garrett pointed out. Eight days, maybe nine, and night is falling. Sir so Waymo was glanced at the sky with disinterest. It does it every day about this time. Are you unmanned by the dark, Garrett? Will could see the tightness around Garrett's mouth, the barely suppressed anger in his eyes, under the thick black hood of his cloak. Garrett had spent forty years in the Night's Watch, man and boy, and he was not accustomed to being made light of. Yet it was more than that. Under the wounded pride, Will could sense something else in the older man hasted, a nervous tension that came per- perilous, close to fear. Will shared his unease. He had been four years on the wall. The first time he had been sent beyond, all the old stories had come washing back, and his boats had turned to water. He had laughed about it afterward. He was a veteran of a hundred rangings by now, and the endless dark wilderness that the South One called The haunted forest had no more terrors for him Until tonight Something was different tonight There was an edge to this darkness That made us heckles rise. Nine days they had been riding North and northwest And then north again Farther and farther from the wall Hard on the track of a band of wildling riders Each day had been worse than the day that had come before it Today was the worst of all a cold wind was blowing out of the north, and it made the trees rustle like living things. All day, Will had felt as though something were watching him, something cold and implacable, that loved him not. Garrett had felt it too. Will wanted nothing so much as to hell hellbent for the safety of the war, but that was not a feeling to share with your commander. Especially not a commander. Sir so Waymo Royce was the youngest son of an ancient house, with too many ears. He was a handsome youth of eighteen, grey-eyed and graceful and slender as a knife, mounted on his huge black desk dryer. The night towered above Will and carried on their smaller garlands. He wore black leather boots, black woolen pants, black moleskin clothes, and a fine supple coat of gleaming black wingmail over layers of black wool and boiled leather. Sir Raymer had been a sworn brother of the Night's Watch for less than half a year, but no one could say he had not prepared for his vocation, at least far as his wardrobe was concerned. His cloak was his crowning glory, sable, thick and black as soft and soft as Bet he killed them all himself. He did, Garrett told the barracks over wine, twisted their little heads off our mighty warrior. They had all shared the laugh. In the to take orders from a man he laughed at and your cups, Will reflected as he sat shivering atop his garden. Garrett must have felt the same. moment said, as we should the Said, they're dead. They shan't trouble us no more. There's hard riding before us. I don't like this weather. If it snows, we could be a fortnight getting back, and snows the best we can hope for. Ever seen a nice storm, my lord? The Lordling seemed not to hear him. He studied the deepening twilight in that half bored, half distracted way he had. Will had ridden with the knight long enough to understand that it was best not to interrupt him when he looked like that. Tell me again what you saw, Will. All the details. Leave nothing out. Will had been a hunter before he joined the night's watch. Well, a poacher on truth. Malister free riders had caught him wet-handed in the Malister's own woods, scanning one of the Malister's own been a choice of putting on the black or losing a hat. No one could move through the woods as silent as Will, and it had not taken the black brothers long to discover his talent. The camp is two miles farther on. Over that witch, hard beside a stream, Will said, I got close as I dared. There's eight of them, men and women. you will cover it now but i could still make it out no fire burning but the fire pit was still plain as day no one moving i watched a long time no living man ever lay so still did you see any blood well no will admit it did you see any weapons some sorts of you bows. one man had an axe of iron. It was on the ground beside him, right by his head. Did you make a note of the position of the bodies? Will shrugged. A couple are sitting up against the rock, most of them on the ground, fallen-like. Or sleeping, Why suggested, fallen, Will insisted. There's one woman upon A far eyes. He smiled thinly. I took care, she never saw me. When I got closer, I saw that she wasn't moving either. Despite himself, he shivered. You have a chill, voice asked. Some, Will muttered. The wind, my lord. The young knight turned back to his grizzled man at arms. fallen leaves whispered past them voice destroyer moved restlessly what do you think might have killed this man carrot sir Waymo asked casually he adjusted the drape of his long sable cloak it was a cold carrot said with the iron certainty I saw men freeze last winter and the one before when I was half a boy everyone talks about snows 44 and hold the eyes when it comes holding out of the north, but the real enemy is the cold, It steals up on you, quieter than will, and it fills you shiver, and your teeth shatter, and you stamp your feet, and dream of mulled wine and nice hot fires. It burns, it does. Nothing burns like the cold, but only for a while gets inside you and starts to fill you up, and after a while you don't have the strength to fight it, it's easier just to sit down or go to sleep, they say you don't feel any pain toward the end, first you go weak and drowsy and everything starts to fade, and then it's like sinking into a sea of warm milk, peaceful. Such eloquence, carrot. Sir Waymore observed, "I never suspected you had it in you." I fed the cold in me too, Lordling. Carrot pulled back his hood, giving Sir Waymore a good long look at these thumbs where his ears had been—two ears, three toes, and the little finger of my left hand. I got off light. We found my brother frozen at his watch, with a smile on his face. So we must you all dress more warmly, Garrett. Garrett glared at the lordling. The scars around his ear holes flashed wet with anger, where Master Eamon had cut the ears away. We'll see how far We'll see how warm you can dress when the winter comes. He pulled up his hood and hunched over his Karen, silent and sullen. If Garret said it was the cold, will begin. Have you drawn any watches this past week, Will? Yes, my lord. Then there was a week when he did not draw a dozen bloody watches. What was the man driving at? And how did you fight the war? Weeping, Will said. Frowning. He saw it clear enough now that the Lordling had pointed it out. They couldn't have froze, not if the wall was weeping. It wasn't cold enough, Royce nodded. Bright lad, we've had a few night frosts this past week and a quick flurry of snow now and then. But surely, no cold fears enough to kill eight grown men. Men clad in fur and leather, let me remind you, with shelter near at hand and the means of making fire. The night's smile was cocksure. Will lead us there. I would see these dead men for myself. And then there was nothing to be done for it. The order had been given and honor bound them to obey. Will went in front his shaggy little girl picking the way carefully through the undergrowth. A light snow had fallen the night before, and there were stones and roots and hidden things lying just under its crust, left, uh, lying just under its crust, waiting for the careless and the unwary. So where my voice came next? his great black destroyer, snorting impatiently. The war horse was the wrong mount for ranging, but try and tell that to the lordling. Garrett brought up the wheel. The old man-at-arms muttered to himself as he rode. Twilight deepened. The cloudless sky turned deep purple. The color of an old bruise then faded to black. The stars began to come out, a half moon rose, Will was grateful for the light. We can make a better play pace than this, surely, Royce said, when the moon was full risen. Not with this horse, Will said, fear had made him insolent. Perhaps my lord would care to take the lead, so Waymar Royce did not deign to reply. Somewhere off in the wood, a wolf howled. Will pulled his garon over beneath an ancient gnarled ironwood and dismounted. Why are you stopping, Sir Wayman asked? Best go the w- best go the west of the way on foot, my lord. It's just over that ridge. What is past a moment staring off into the distance, his face reflective, a cold wind whispered through the trees, as great saber-cloak stood behind like something half-alive. There's something wrong here, Garrett muttered. The young knife gave him a disdainful smile. Is there? Can you feel it? Can't you feel it? Garrett asked. Listen to the t- Will could feel it, for he is in the night's watch, and he had never been so afraid. What was it? Wind, trees rustling, a wolf, which sound is said, unmans you so, Garrett. When Garrett did not answer, voice slid gracefully from his saddle. He tied the destrier securely to a low hanging clump well away from the other horses, and drew his long sword from its she- sheath. Jewels glittered in its hilt, and the moonlight went down. The shining steel, it was a splendid weapon, Castleforge, and new made from the look of it. Will doubted it, it had ever been swung in anger. The trees pressed close here, Will ward. That sword will tangle you up, my lord, better a knife. If I need instruction, I will ask for it. The young lord said, Garret, stay here, guard the horses. Garret dismounted, we need a fire, we'll see to it. How big a fool are you, old man? If there are enemies in this world, fire is the last thing we want. There's some enemies a fire will keep away, Garret said. Bears and dire wolves and and other things. His mouth became a hard line, no fire. Garrett's hood shadowed his face, but Will could see it. the hot litter in his eyes as he stared at the night. For a moment he was afraid the older man would go for a sword. It was a short, ugly thing, its grip discolored by sweat, its edge nicked from hard use. But Will would not have given an iron bob for the Lordling's life if Garrett pulled it from. Scabbard. Finally, Garrett looked down. No fire. He muttered, low under his breath. Voice took it for acquiescence, acquiescence, and turned away. Lead on, he said to Will. Will threaded their way through the thicket, then started up the slope to the low ridge. Where he had found his vantage point under a sentinel tree. Under the thin crust of snow, the ground was damp and muddy, slick footing with rocks and hidden woods to trip you up. Will made no sound as he climbed. Behind him, he heard the soft metal, metallic slither of the lordling's wingmail, the rustle of leaves, and muttered curses as reaching. Grabbed at his long sword and tucked on his splendid sable cloak. The great sentinel was right there at the top of the witch, where Will had known it would be. Its lowest branches, a bare foot of the ground. Will slid in underneath, a flat, flat on his belly in the snow and the mud, and looked down on the empty clearing below. His heart stopped in his chest. For a moment he dared not breath. Moonlight shone down on the clearing, the ashes of the fire pit, the snow covered lean to, the great rock, the little half frozen stream. Everything was just as it had been a few hours ago. They were gone. All the bodies were gone. Gods he heard behind him. A sword slashed at a branch. A Sir my voice there beside the sentinel, long sword in hand, his cloak billowing behind him as the wind came up, outlined nobly against the stars for all to see. Get down, Will whispered urgently. Something's wrong. voice did not move. He looked down at the empty clearing and laughed, your dead man seemed to have Smallies abandoned him. He groped for words. They did not come. It was not possible. His eyes swept back and forth. Over the abandoned campsite, stopped on the axe. A huge double-bladed battle axe. Still lying where he had seen it last. Untouched. A valuable weapon. On your feet, Will, sir. Sir Waymo commanded. There's no one here. I won't have you hiding under the bush. Reluctantly, we'll obey it. So I looked him over with open disapproval. I am not going back to Castle Black. A failure on my first ranging. We will find these men. He glanced around, up the tree. Be quick about it. Look for a fire. Will turned away, wordless. There was no use to argue. The wind was moving. It cut right through him. He went to the tree, a vaulting, grey-green sentinel, and began to climb. Soon his hands were sticky with the snap with the sap, and he was lost among the needles. Fear filled his gut like a meal. He could not digest. whispered a prayer to the nameless gods of the wood, and slipped his dirt free of its sheath. He put it between his teeth to keep both hands free from climbing. The taste of cold iron in his mouth gave him comfort. Down below, the lordling called out suddenly, Who goes there will hurt uncertainty in the challenge. He stopped climbing. He listened. He watched. The woods gave answer. The rustle of leaves, the icy rush of the stream, a distant hoot of a snowball. The others made no sound. Will saw movement from the corner of his eye. Pale shapes gliding through the wood. He turned his head, and glimpsed a white shadow in the darkness. Then it was gone. Branches stirred gently in the wind. Scratching at one another with wooden fingers, Will opened his mouth to call down a warning. And the words seemed to freeze in his throat. Perhaps he was wrong. Perhaps it had only been a bird. A a reflection on the snow. Some trick of the moonlight. What had he seen after all? Will, where are you? Sir Raymore called up. Can you see anything? He was turning in a slow circle, suddenly worry, his sword in head. He must have felt them. As Will felt them, there was nothing to see. Answer me, why is it so cold? It was cold, shivering. Will clung more tightly to his perch, his face pressed hard against the trunk of the sentinel. He could feel the sweet, sticky sap on his cheek. A shadow emerged from the dark of the wood. It stopped stood in front of boys, tall it was, and gaunt and hard as old bones. With flesh pale as milk, its armor seemed to change color as it moved. Here it was white as new fallen snow, there black as shadow, everywhere dabbled with the deep gray-green eyes of the trees. The patterns went like moonlight. With every step it took, <laughs> Will heard the breath go out of Sir Raymore's voice and along his. Come no farther, the Lordling warned. His voice cracked like a boy's. He threw a long sable cloak back over his shoulders to free his arms for battle and took his sword in both hands. The wind had stopped. It was very cold. The other slid forward on silent feet. In its hand was a long sword, like none that Will had ever seen. No human metal had gone into the forging of the blade. It was alive with moonlight, translucent. A shard of crystal so thin that it seemed almost to vanish when seen at all. There was a faint blue shimmer to the thing. A ghost light that played around its edges. Somehow Will knew it was sharper than any razor. So Waymo met him bravely. Dance with me then. He lifted his sword high over his head. Defiant, his hands trembled from the weight of it, or perhaps from the cold. Yet in that moment, Will thought he was a boy no longer, but a man of the night's watch. The other halted, Will's sword's eyes, blue, deep, and bluer than any human. Blue that burned like ice, he fixed on the long sword trembling on high, watched the moonlight running cold along the metal. For a heartbeat, he dared to hope. They emerged silently from the shadows. Twins to the first, three of them, four, five, so way more men. So way more may have felt the cold that came with them, but he never saw them. Never heard them. Will had to call out. It was his duty, and his death he defeated. He shivered and hugged the tree and kept the silence. The pale sword came shivering through the air. Sir so Raymond met it with steel. When the blades met, there was no ring of metal on metal, only a high, thin sound at the edge of fearing, like an animal screaming in pain. Always checked the second blow and the third, then fell back a step. Another flurry of blows, and he fell back again, behind him to right, to left, all around him. The watchers stood patient, faceless, silent, the shifting patterns of their delicate armor making them all but invisible in the wood. Yet they made no move to interfere. Again and again the swords met, until Will wanted to cover his, cu- his ears against the strange, anguished keening of their clash. Sir so Waymo was panting from the effort now, his breath streaming in the moonlight, his blade was white with frost, the others danced with pale blue light. Then voice Perry came, the beat too late, the pale sword bit through the wingmail beneath his arm. The young lord cried out in pain, blood welled between the wings, it steamed in the cold, and the droplets seemed wet as fire where they touched the snow. So Amos, fingers brushed his side, his moleskin glove came away soaked with wet, the other said something in a language that Will did not know, his voice was like the cracking of ice on a winter lake. And the words were mocking. Sir Waymore, always felt his fury for Robert, he shouted, and he came up snarling, lifting the frost-covered longsword, with both hands and swing and swing at the world, and a flat sidearm slash with all his weight behind it. The others parry was almost lazy. When the blades touched, the steel shattered, a scream echoed. The forest night, and the long sword shivered into a hundred brittle pieces; their shards scattering like a rain of needles. Wise went to his knees, shrieking, and covered his eyes. Blood whirled between his fingers. The watches moved forward together, as if some signal had been given. Swords rose and fell, all in a deathly silence. It was cold butchery the pale blade sliced through wingmails as if it were silk. Will closed his eyes, far beneath him. He heard the voices and as sharp as icicles. When he felt the courage to look up to look again, a long time had passed, and the witch below him uh, below was empty. He stayed in the tree, scarce daring to breathe while the moon crept slowly across the black sky. Finally, his muscles cramping and his fingers numb with cold, he climbed down. Royce's body lay lay face down in the snow, one arm outflung. The thick sable cloak had been slashed in a dozen places. Lying dead like that, you saw how young he was, a boy. He found what was left of the sword, a feet, a few feet away. The ant splintered and twisted like a tree struck by lightning. Will knelt, looked around warily, and snatched it up. The broken sword would be his proof. Garrett would know what to make of it, and if not him, then surely that old bear Mormont or Maester Eamon would Garrett still be waiting with the horses? He had to hurry. Will rose. Sir so Waymo voice stood over him. His fine claws were a tatter, his face a wound. A shirt from a source transfixed the blind white right pupil of his left eye. The white wall was open. The pupil burned blue. It saw. The broken sword fell from nerveless fingers. Will closed his eyes to pray. Long, elegant tired hands brushed his cheek. Then tightened out around his throat, they were gloved and the finest skin and sticky with blood. Yet the touch was icy cold.